People of the world, hello and welcome to the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday, wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. And here we are again this week, as we promised, we are going to talk a little bit about the state of Black America. But before we get into that, we want to deal with some of the feedback that we've gotten from a lot of you in sharing your positive support, as well as some of your criticisms. And so we welcome all of that because it's all part of the bigger conversation that we want to have. And so Norm and Scott are out here with us again, and we're going to just uh, begin by looking at the fact that there are some folks who have said that, you know, perhaps we sound a little bit too critical of white America or that we focus a little bit too much on certain issues like internalized racism. But it's important for us to communicate to all of our listeners out there that what we are is what we will continue to be, which is the most misunderstood, least heard from segment of society, the black male. And so our opinions are generally left unheard. And so it's probably new to a lot of people as you hear what we have to say about these topics. And so we're going to continue to be that voice. And we are not attempting to be a part of the traditional media. That is not our function. We think there's certainly enough of that out there already. So we just have to be who we are. Yeah, I just want to say that First of all, I want to thank people for for uh, their feedback, whether it's positive or negative. We we want all the feedback we can get, and also I want to remind people to uh, buy black and support black people. On that fourth podcast, I got a lot of pushback. Folks told me I sounded angry when I was telling the story about the experience I had in the elevator, and my response to them was, "Well, I was angry, but I was angry because I had to deal with that situation. It brought." It brought back me thinking about just putting myself in that place. Why is it that I had to experience that? So our podcast, no, we're not trying to bash any certain group. What we're doing is we're talking about our experiences and how we dealt with those experiences with uh, other groups and how we feel about those interactions with other groups. Yeah, and, and I would like to thank everyone, you know, for the positive feedback. I started to market the group and invited a lot of people, you know, to our web page, our Facebook page, and, um, you know, the, the response has been fantastic. And I was even a little overwhelmed because I invited a lot of people who hate me. And um, Well, that's a big audience there. Well, that is true. <laughs> and I was shocked that they also enjoyed the, uh, the podcast. And so I want to thank everyone, and I hope you continue to listen. And um, just to follow up on what Scott just said, we're not here to offend anybody. And anybody that I've personally offended, I just want to let you know, I don't care. We're not, we're not here to appease anybody. We're here right. to tell the truth as we see it. 
Right. And that's it. Now, if you don't agree, you are welcome to comment on. We have several venues where you can come and comment and we can have an open discussion. But we're not here to appease anybody. And uh, thank you, Rod, for that for that minute. So good, bad or indifferent, we will never be boring. So we're going to jump in now what we want to talk about in terms of the state of Black America and this new coronavirus pandemic gives us an ample opportunity to share some thoughts around what the two Americas continue to look like. As we've heard all across the world and all across this country and all across our individual states, the coverage of this virus, one of the things that we've been curious about is how little attention is being paid to where it has actually surfaced and who is most vulnerable to it. Because when it comes to healthcare, once again, the Black community is usually the most underserved and most neglected part of the population. And so it's kind of curious to us that there's been no real focus on how the virus is breaking down demographically as it comes to different ethnic groups. Yeah, I'm concerned about that too, Rod. That's a great point because, you know, as you mentioned, they're not talking about the socioeconomic status, who's who's being influenced. They're not talking, they'll say, well, you know, there are nine cases in this state, there are 20 cases in this state, but they're not saying what part of the state. And it's just strange to me that that's happening because usually what happens is when there is a situation, let's say heart disease, and black folks, that's the leading cause of death for, heart, for black folks of heart disease. They're quick to say that heart disease or the next 10 categories, blacks, there's a leading cause of death for black folks. But for this particular uh, virus, we're not hearing a lot about who's being affected and who's being impacted and how it's impacting them. We're not even hearing who's being tested. Right. Right. And, and, that's the, and, and that's the real key here, because we don't even know how this is affecting our community, because like you said, Scott, the demographics aren't even out there. But even more importantly, it's not out there who's actually being tested. If our people aren't being tested, it could be running rampant in our community. We wouldn't even know it. Right. I don't even know anybody who knows anybody who's been tested or been infected. And, and of course, to that same point, when they provide these testing kits, it's probably very likely that our communities will be the last that are without supposed to be free and, and available. Without a doubt. And we don't hear anything from the politicians, local, national. I don't hear black politicians even talking about the virus. So for, in, in terms of how it may impact us, how, how it may impact black, the black community. Well, you, you, you can't kiss Biden's ass and do this at the same time. And you have this other piece of it that's the socioeconomic piece, because we know that as we watch the people who are going to be most victimized by not having enough sick leave or paid family leave to take time out, then that's going to critically impact a lot of inner city families, which are predominantly black. And you even see things like when you have these sports teams, you know, I've proud of what Zion Williamson and Giannis and other athletes are doing to cover the expenses of the hourly workers at these arenas in the NBA cities and for their uh, uh, generosity. But remember, these are certainly millionaire players, but what about the billionaire owners? Why shouldn't they be covering 
the expenses because these are their employees. Right. So in essence, what you've got is some of their own employees are covering the expenses of other employees. Right. That's a great point. And no one's saying, saying anything about that on ESPN or any other of those sports stations. And it looks like, I think Kevin Love stepped up and he did something for the administrative staff for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But it make you proud that a lot of black folks are empathetic to folks who are in need. A lot of black players and they're stepping up and, and, and uh, providing the service out of, their, out of their own pocket. Well, black players understand struggle. Black players understand that their parents had to struggle and work hard to just to get them the opportunity to get where they are. So they understand what the workers are going through. The billionaire owners, don't, nor do, do they understand, nor could they care less, which is obvious. Because as far as I understand, only one owner, Mark Cuban, has made any attempt to, to do anything for the workers. Right. And you got Dan Gilbert, who is the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers and owner of a mega, mega corporation and a billionaire. One of his employees in Kevin Love is doing more than he is as far as anybody's able to identify because I'm fairly certain that the egomaniacs that a lot of these billionaires are, that if they were to be doing that kind of philanthropic work to help out people. They'd certainly want it to be known. It'd be all over the uh, newscast. And the fact that it's not certainly makes me real doubtful that they're really doing anything. Right. I mean, one of the things I'm concerned about when it comes to uh, the Black community and this pandemic is are people actually taking this serious? Because I'm riding around and I see a lot of people gathering. Some of the things that they're telling folks not to do large groups and clusters and I see a lot of that and folks are just I mean I know you want to try to uh, go about your normal day as usual and you want things to be normal but I, I see people just seem to be a little too relaxed as if we're not in the middle of, of a pandemic that that's concerns me just like the idea when they tell people not to congregate and if you go to any Costco or BJ's or any supermarket you got literally like thousand people in there all at the same time. And it's like, well, okay. So you're not congregating in sporting uh, arenas and places like that, but you're all in this same confined area trying to get every paper towel and piece of toilet paper and pallet of water that you can. And so it's just like counterintuitive. But to me, I think it really has to do with the lack of confidence that anybody has in the leadership coming out of Washington because they're making this stuff up as they go along because there really is no logic even to like the buying patterns because I'm still waiting for somebody to tell me why toilet paper should be hoarded for the coronavirus or for that matter, paper towels. I mean, if you go to a store in this area, you cannot find any paper product not paper towels and tissue. What I did notice, I went to a Wegman and they have a limit on, they started that where like if you bring ring of five items, I had five items and they said, you can only get four of these. And I normally get, you know, this is what I normally buy. It's, it was like some chicken stock or something like that. And it flashed up on the, you know, customers only allowed to get four. So some grocery store chains, supermarkets, they are putting something in place 
so that people can't hoard. But, you know, a lot of the damage has already been done. Yeah, not to mention they had to put out the, uh, here in New Jersey, they had to put out the number to report price gouging, that if anybody is caught raising the prices of these products to exorbitant rates, they can be reported. And it's just symptomatic of what a true capitalist society is about, which is just taking advantage of any situation to increase profits and profitability. Yeah, that's the American way. That's the American way. But when we start talking about what's going on in terms of hoarding, the most vulnerable people, and usually it's our folks, they don't have the resources. They don't have the money. They don't have capital. They go out there and buy some of the necessities. You go in the grocery stores, you can't find any kind of meat and, and those paper products. And so the folks who have the wealth all, you know, the mean, they're going in there and they're hoarding this stuff. And you got poor folks who they have a lot of challenges in terms of, you know, getting to the store, getting to the grocery store. And then in addition to that, not having the resources to buy a lot of this stuff, but they get there and it's not there. Yeah. I went, I went to four grocery stores today and they were all, I got up early this morning to go to, I went to this Wegman. This lady told me that at six o'clock this morning, they had over 200 people waiting at the door. Yeah, that's just crazy. And I saw yeah. uh, in like one of our local major shopping chains, uh, I stopped by there a couple of days ago just to pick up a couple of items for my daughter's birthday. And I walked by this the meat counter and all the chicken was gone. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I see they still have, at this point, they still had beef, they still had pork. And I'm trying right. to figure out, so what is the point of buying up all the chicken. It's like, well, just like I said, there's a, a kind of of madness that's going on that just defies logic. People are just just being caught up in a kind of hysteria that if they see somebody pick up four or five packages of this, they just start picking up four or five packages too. And next thing you know, it's like all gone. And it's like, well, I don't, but nobody's giving them any clear direction. They are your own part of what we are supposed to have as, as far as uh, leadership in a time of crisis. One of my concerns where our people are so vulnerable at when it comes to this is that at some point, as this, the projection is that 70 to 150 million people in this country are going to be infected. So with that many people being infected, at some point, the su- supply chain is going to be interrupted. And so you're not going to be able to get food into the grocery stores. I have a friend who worked at a supermarket, uh, and he said that, the problem that they're having right now is the warehouse can't keep up with the demand. And he said in a week or two, the warehouse are going to be empty. And so when that happens, then that's when there's really, really, really going to be hysteria and how our folks are going to be impacted and how they're going to react to that because they hadn't stocked up on stuff or hoarded. Rod, I'm, I'm taking offense to your comment about the lack of leadership. <laughs> now, don't laugh. I'm not joking. The president put Pence and Dr. <laughs> Carson and Dr. Carson in charge of this virus situation. And I believe in my president. Well, you couldn't have two more offensive people to be in that whole process. The other thing that I'm thinking about as we uh, consider this topic is that at the same time, these products, especially these goods that are coming in from China, and I'm wondering who's really doing anything as far as like irradiating those goods or anything like that. Cause to right. me, that could be a prime 
venue for how the virus is getting here because it does seem kind of odd that just like overnight, this virus has just gone entirely across the entire country because there certainly couldn't have been that many people who were coming back from China at any given time to be in every state in this country. I think you're right, Rod. I I, I don't think that we're getting the whole truth about how this virus is, is spreading because I was in a doctor's office and this woman was saying that she's from some little small town in Mississippi and they got their first case. And she's like, nobody knows. This person has been in contact with no one who's been out of the country whatsoever. No one in that little small town. So it seems to be there's no real pattern to how that virus is uh, infecting people. And so I don't think we're again given, being given all the information in terms of how, I don't want to use the word vicious, but how this thing is being spread. And yeah. Ron, to follow up on what you said about products coming in from China, it's not just from China. I mean, Canada has a lot of issues. You know, a lot of countries on the globe have a lot of issues that we do trade with. So, I mean, you constantly have products coming in here that could be contaminated right. from any country. Right. right. But I'm just using China as ground zero for the supposed outbreak and the fact that they continue to tell us that things like money are one of the most frequent channels by which the, the virus is being transmitted. And so if indeed a paper cloth that is money, then certainly the paper that is used to wrap up a lot of these products that come from China and are shipped all across the country seem to me like they could certainly be a, a willing vehicle for this thing to be transmitted in the amount of time because I certainly haven't seen anything slow up that process of people getting goods uh, and products that are coming from China. No, I mean, trade is still happening. And, and Noah made a good point because there are cases in other countries that we uh, we uh, trade partners with and their products and their goods are coming over here too. The main thing is, you said and I said, we are not getting the right information about how this thing is being spread. That's, that's the critical thing. No one is saying definitively how it's being spread. Now, they've given us a lot of information about, you know, ways that you can prevent it. You know, it seems like, you know, 85 degree temperature will destroy it. Just general household cleaning products will destroy it. I'm, I'm not even sure how accurate that is for a virus to be that deadly because there are people who are contacting the virus who are getting the virus, and in two days, they're dead. So a virus to be that potent and that vicious, and you can just kill it with, a, you know, just a regular general household cleaning supplies, uh, you know, they're just kind of, to me, uh, something's not adding up here. So absolutely, we're going to stay tuned and stay focused on this as it continues to unfold. Schools are being shut down. Churches are stopping services, uh, municipalities are restricting contact and reducing services. So it's going to be a bumpy ride for at least a couple of weeks. So hopefully the temperature goes up and does kill it and we can get back to normal. But that's it again for another edition of Brothers Talk. And we thank each and every one of you for spending some more of your time with us. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at the Brothers Talk. 
the Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name. And if you want to go long form with your comments, you can reach us at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. In parting, as always, we say let's do better today because that's all we really have.